Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League Preview Show. It's a show that thinks Frank Lampard is a very limited coach and can't figure out why leading clubs seem to be unaware of this. On today's pod we'll be looking at Chelsea's hosting of Brighton this weekend, but only very briefly because our main focus will be on a title race that's starting to sizzle. City v Leicester, Hammers v Arsenal, will either side blink. We'll also be asking why the 6 o'clock news didn't lead with Liverpool pulling out of a Jude Bellingham chase. That's a disgrace. It's disrespectful to the Reds at. A club that always bangs on about how financially disadvantaged they are, not trying to sign a player valued at north of £120 million. That's huge news. A bombshell. To indulge in further bouts of heavy sarcasm, and to go around the grounds as always, I'm delighted to be joined today by two Friday favourites in the form of Chris Apakis and Joe Green. Chris, you there, mate? Steve, how are you, Joe? How are you? Nice to be on with you both. Very good to have you, sir. I'm a bit out of breath. That was a long intro. I don't know what got into me there. Um, how's, how's things down under? Yeah, going, going well, thank you. Uh, starting to get a little bit colder here in Sydney, which is nice, um, considering we had a pretty hot summer. But yeah, it's good. Things are going well. Uh, Friday night now, so just enjoy enjoy myself this weekend and, and see what happens. With the five thirty kickoff tomorrow, what time will that be where you uh, are? It's a two thirty a.m. kickoff. Ooh, that's the yeah. worst. It Sm- is the worst. Oh my god! Are you do you watch that live? Um, usually, I usually I would so on a on a Sunday morning. It sometimes might be on the back of a night out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of the, of the twelve thirty kickoffs to be honest. I bet. Which is about nine thirty on a Saturday night for us. Yeah. Wow, yeah. man, dedication to that. And um, Joe, are you there? Are you well? Yeah, Mr. Tudor, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Nice to be on a pod with you too, Chris. Yes. Is this the first time with you two? I, I think it so, is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. both. And so you're going to the game tomorrow, Joe? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I'll be going. Uh, it's not quite um, the, the dedication required for a 2.30 a.m. slot. <laughs> so my hat's off to you, Chris, but yeah, I'll, I'll be going. Braving this weather. We were just discussing off air the terrible yes. um, weather, so we're hoping for an improvement. Do, do you know any uh, any kind of forecast? Do you know what it's going to be like? I, just, um, I think it's just going to be a kind of overcast, but I don't think the temperature's going to be too bad. It's like the weather section of the pod for anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's handy. It's handy. Yeah. We do a service. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but as long as this wind and rain's gone, because that weather versus buy-in was horrendous. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I sit right at the top of the South Stanford tier, and it was actually getting through the back. You know where the, the kind of right. slight opening yeah. um, at the top of the stand? It was getting through and drenching people. Oh, Jesus. But, yeah. Well, Stop me moaning. One of the biggest considerations before going to any game is what coat to wear. So, you know, if it's overcast and that's, if we're correcting that, then we've done a good service today. Um, before we get to the actual Leicester game, we have to look back at that buy-in performance. Um, I was just saying off-air then to you guys, I genuinely think that's the best Champions League performance by any City side um, so far under Pep. Um, I'll start with you, Chris. Where would you rate that? I mean, just how good were City? Yeah, look, it's definitely one of the best performances we've seen under Pep, especially in the Champions League. Um, I think what I particularly appreciated about our performance against Munich um, was our defensive effort. 
Uh, it, very, it very much felt like a complete performance where yeah. our defensive solidity sort of set the tone for the foundation of our attacking players to flourish. And, you know, even though we've had some big Champions League results, you know, in the past, we've always, you know, conceded a goal or two here and there. So for us to keep to keep a clean sheet and, um, you know, even a few times on the pod this season, I've been quite vocal about our defensive struggles. So, yeah, so to see us with a clean sheet, I was very happy, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they were all exceptional. Um, I remember I put on Twitter, uh, I name-checked maybe five players, and rightfully, people were coming back at me going, well, what about Akanji? What about him? What about him? And I, I just want to say, yeah, I mean, basically, you couldn't find a 7 out of 10 performance from a lot of them, Joe, could you? It was minimum of 8 out of 10 right across the board. I think defensively, it took me back to kind of the prime years of Mancini when we were on that FA mm. Cup run where <clears throat> you just felt confident in like even crosses coming into the box were going to be dealt with. Everyone was like last um, man on the line. I think um, Diaz was just absolutely incredible. It was like a gladiator at the back of some of the um, the blocks. And the not by error. I think when he first came, you get a sense of, is he going to be a bit Otamendi-ish, this guy, where he's just throwing his body? But there's a bit of more rhyme and rhythm to it with um, with Diaz in that. He does it that often and actually wins the ball. That is clearly a, a skill um, that I've not seen a defender master the way he has. Um, and yeah, defensively they were brilliant. Um, it's hard to split between that performance and the performance for Madrid at the Bernabeu when we won 2-0, just before the lockdown for me. Mm. Um, but if we see the job over the line... I suspect that could well top it and go down as the best, specifically more as a team collective because I just felt like there were times where you felt comfortable and um, as Chris has just touched on, there's always like when City have done well in Europe traditionally and beat the bigger teams, there's always a caveat where you feel like, for example, the Madrid in the semi at home last year, you knew they were still in the tie despite us putting an attacking performance in that was brilliant or... You know, there's other games over recent years where you know, like, we concede that goal that lets them in. Whereas this feels a bit more secure. So, yeah, brilliant night's work. I you think when... So, sorry, Steve, I was just going to say, I think, you know, when I reflect on our 2021 Champions League run to the final, um, I recall strong defensive efforts against Madrid, Dortmund, and especially those two games against PSG. So... Um, I think it was the solidity at the back, you know, back in 2021 that got us to the final that year. And I think if we can, if we can keep this defensive run going in this competition, especially, I think we're going to go quite far. Yeah, absolutely. Owen Hargreaves, I think it was, said straight after the game, that's what gets teams to Champions League finals. And he was specifically talking about that solidity um, because, you know, let's face it, if you're talking about the continental elite, every side's got, you know, an array of attacking um, players who are, are superbly gifted but you know to have actually such a well organised backline who can do that and nullify Bayern Munich then yeah that really bodes well and you saying there about Ruben Diaz Joe just got me thinking actually as you, as you were um, responding there is he possibly City's best um, tackler you know just in terms of because it's an art form in itself I mean mm. Vinny You'd have to put Vinny up there, but Vinny can miss timer tackle the same as anyone. But the timing of Ruben Diaz, when he, when he's covering ground and going across a pitch, and yeah. a player's looking to break, I've got full confidence in him, and and, and he does. He'll take the man as well as the ball, which personally I love. 
Um, but mm. because it's so clean, his tackle, he gets away with that. Um, I think he's the he's the best at timing tackles, if I could put it that simplistically, uh, than any defender I can think of in, in a City shirt, you know, in, in, in our last decade. Yeah, certainly a debate to be had. There's a lot of merit yeah. behind it. I think, I think for me, is 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 his ability to read spaces specifically mm. where yeah. where a player's going to put the ball, um, and then he positions himself so well. He's always got like a low centre of gravity in terms yeah. of, and his body's kind of tilted, and then he gets down quick, doesn't he? And the amount of blocks he makes, where you know, for goal bound efforts like the one in the first half, or he, specifically in his first season when he won Player of the Year. That's why I referenced Otamendi. Like when he first came in, I was like, I'm a bit from the Maldini mold, where traditionally yeah. I've, I've viewed it as if a defender goes to the ground, it's the first mistake because the positioning's wrong. Yeah. Um, but he's somewhat ultimate view on that because Otamendi used to do it in a sense because he was just he couldn't help himself. There wasn't really rhyme and rhythm. And I don't it was fun. Let's on. face it. He had a lot yeah. of fun Otamendi doing that. He did. Um, but Diaz doesn't just do it willingly; he does it when the the situation requires it, yeah. and, and he wins the ball or gets a nick on the ball more times than not. And that, and that to me is the first player in a City shirt I've seen do it because we've had brilliant defenders who are calm and sophisticated and stay on the feet. Like most of the time, those moments like Company, who also had his moments where last ditch he'd go to ground and get a red card. I remember one year the Messi, for example. But whereas um, Diaz seems to have got this knack of just reading a space and timing it perfectly, and it, it it's it's an incredible skill, really, because this is all happening in a fraction of the second mm. at the quickest and highest level of the game. But he does it over and over and over again. I mean, remember that that's um sorry that semi v um PSG that Chris just alluded to. I think he did it like two or three times over those two legs. Um, yeah, Neymar and and Mbappe. It's just like it's yeah. not a fluke when he keeps doing it against the best of the best. So I, I was just thinking then as well about blocks. If you're looking back at the last decade, and we're talking about some exceptional centre backs as well, uh, and full backs, if we're going to throw them into the mix, um, in terms of blocks, you'd have to put Ake in the top five as well. Mm. I mean, he is exceptional at, at kind of anticipating a shot and, and getting a block in. So put those two together, Diaz and Ake, and we're looking in good shape. Um, where we're maybe not looking in the best of shape is something beyond our control. So, Chris, Pep said he was emotionally destroyed after that win. Um, and we can assume the same goes for you know is, is can be said for the players uh, who, who must have been similarly wrung out as well. We've got such a hectic schedule coming up. Um, is it going to be a problem? The fact that we're playing these high level must win games twice a week, and beyond that, can you see maybe Pep resting one or two players this weekend? I mean, I know it's a, a must win. I know it's a crucial game, but Leicester. Are possibly one of the weakest sides we're going to face from now till the end of the season. Well, yeah. Look, I think that um, you know this busy part of the season is what we as fans have been waiting for really since since the season kicked off because this is going to make or break our season. Um, you know, the next four to six weeks. So, um, you know, like I think with all that in mind, and I think despite our three nil performance, we definitely still need to. Uh, keep this Munich second leg as a top priority for us when we look at our next three games against Leicester, Munich and I think the FA Cup semi-final against Brentford next weekend. So um, with that with that being the main fo- focus out of those next three games, I wouldn't be opposed to Pep resting one or two of our key players in this Leicester game. 
uh, you know, KDB comes to mind in particular. I thought he looked a little bit off and a little bit um, sort of sluggish at times midweek. So I think a rest would do him good this weekend and, you know, could he could sort of pave the way forward for him to have a good, a really strong final six weeks of the season. Hmm. Um, also, you know, you're looking at the the back five or, you know, and I say that with the defensive line and Rodri and I guess back six if you include Edison. You know, the the back four and Rodri have played the last three games. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to seeing someone in the back four getting a rest with either Walker or Laporte coming in, um, who we haven't seen fe- feature too much this year. I mean, we've got this we've got this squad of, of world-class players, so we need to use them as much as we can. You know, Lewis is another one that can come in if needed. So we've got a few options there. I mean, it's it's also one of those things where you don't want to disrupt too much and sort of lose the flow and good rhythm that we've got as a team. So, you know, Pep's been here, been here before numerous times with us. So, you know, you've got to trust his judgment. I mean, there's even also an argument for Marius to come in for one of the front three. So, yeah, we just got to sort of see how it goes and keep this Champions League second leg um, in the forefront of our minds. Well, I mean, we're going to go to the lineup prediction now, Joe, but a really interesting one will be that buy-in game and a second leg. I mean, of course, I'm not suggesting for a moment that Pep's going to rest any players going to Munich, but there may well be, you know, a Mahrez coming in instead of a Grealish or, or etc. You know, it might well be where he does shuffle his pack somewhat because we do have a three-goal advantage. So this this Saturday, though, what are you anticipating, Joe, in terms of lineup? Um, not not so much what you what who you'd like to see, but who do you think Pep will go for? That is the question no one ever wants to be asked. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, I think it was interesting because I was watching um, an interview recently where Roy Keane was talking about the season United won the treble, and I'm not for one minute for anyone listening saying <laughs> win the treble, but he's saying the way they approached it. In, the, in this clutch period was literally game by game you couldn't look further than the game in front of you and you had to depend on the squad and players to come in they had players like Solskjaer and Sheringham who could come in and I think similarly where I can see similarities between our squad now and that United side is we also have players who can who can come in um, who are top draw like Laporte uh, Mahrez um, they're all capable of winning a space in the team at any point you feel because of the quality and so to answer your question I think I think Diaz will will start and I think Ake will start as well because he seems to be the solidity at left back Um, feels indispensable doesn't he Ake right now yeah you feel like you could really interrupt the team's um, structure by taking him out Um, I think Walker will come in at right back uh, and you may well see Laporte, who, let's get it right, I said to yesterday, I think we're lucky in that this is a player who would probably walk into any other mm. English yeah. side or any team in Europe, and we can't expect him to stay in the summer realistically if he's not even getting a sniff, just out of respect to, to his ability as a player. So I would like to see him come in um, for this game mm. and next week, Chef United. Um, I think Rodri... He's another one who feels like Ake for me. Like structurally, I think you could really damage the team because let's not forget Leicester are fighting for the lives, and they could, if they turn it into a scrappy affair and you've not got your top players on it, it's hard to change the momentum in a the game, then isn't it? Yeah. Um, do you want me to go through the full team? I no, think I've no, done most it, of it it's, yeah. Well. I mean, let's just end on the, the front three then. Um, the front three. 
Um, ha- Haaland to start, surely. Or Ogilvy. I, I don't know. Because, you know, he had that calf injury just before the international break. So, will that be in the back of his mind and give give Alvarez some minutes? Because, I mean, Alvarez, he's been brilliant, hasn't he, the last few yeah. weeks? Um, I mean, I just, I would just put a counter view in there of, of just how I feel about kind of Haaland and, and with the Munich game coming up. I I would say it's more likely that Haaland misses Munich than against Leicester because you can put an Alvarez in against Munich because you're 3-0 up but it's going to be a lot of defending. You know, w- One place you do not mess around with is at the back, obviously, if you're going to go to Munich. Um, but against Leicester, I, I don't know. I, th- I think you need Haaland in there with his, and just, his almost guarantee of goals right now. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our content, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.